Welcome to Role Playing History, the podcast where we explore the history of role playing games. I'm Wayne Davis, and I'll be your guide for today's tour. Episode 118 Alshard and the Standard RPG System. Before we get into this week's show, I wanted to respond to a few notes I've gotten over the past couple of weeks, and they've all been pretty much about the same thing. When are we going to cover more modules? Well, the plan at the moment is to cover D&D 5th Edition next week before doing back-to-back shows about game modules, since those will lead us into Archon 46, which I kind of thought would be appropriate. So, if you're curious as to what the rest of September looks like, now you know. And as I always say, keeps those requests coming in. This week's show has us covering a very popular Japanese role-playing game, plus taking a look at the engine it runs on. So without further ado, let's crank up the tour bus and get to our first subject. Al Shard is a Japanese role-playing game designed by Yunichi Inoue and Far East Amusement Research. It was originally published by Enterbrain and Gamefield in 2002. The most recent version, released in 2005 and known as version 1.5, goes by the title Arshad Fortissimo. Alshard is a fantasy role-playing game, but it also uses mechanical items like you'd see in the Final Fantasy video game series. Alshard, along with the rest of the games that use the standard RPG system, are the largest role-playing games published in Japan. Alshard Gaia, which is a contemporary fantasy role-playing game, was released by Enterbrain and Gamefield in 2006. And while it's different in many ways from the original, they're just enough alike that the various classes of the two games can be used together. And we will separate our looks at the nuts and bolts of those two games as we go along, as well as the settings. So, let's look at the setting for Alshard. And I can tell you, we're going to be covering a lot of ground here. So, grab yourself a beverage and get settled in. The world Alshard takes place in is called Midgard. And as one would expect from a world of that name, there's a lot of Norse mythology utilized in the structure of deities. Odin and Thor are definitely utilized, but it's straight up noted in the rules that most of the deities died during Ragnarok, which is fans of North mythology, or those who've seen the MCU movie Thor Ragnarok know, was basically a god war that destroyed a lot of real estate, though the MCU flick took several creative liberties. Just saying. While Midgard is a fantasy world, things like guns, motorcycles, robots, airships, and so on and so forth are present throughout. PCs in the game are known as questers, and they possess a crystal known as a shard, which is from the ancient gods. The shard allows them to use the powers of the divine by using it. Quick side note. If you're not familiar with anime or Japanese video games, this all might sound like a weird acid trip. That being said, the layout of Alshard is considered standard for Japanese entertainment, where agglomerations of different styles are basically expected. So with the side note covered, let's continue. Questers in Alshard are looking for their ideal world, which, since things have a basis in North mythology, is Asgard. Questers find themselves opposed to the world's enemy, which is the Abyss, as well as the evil empire Wahres Reich, which, if my translation program is correct, is German for the True Empire. The name of the game itself has an interesting translation, as Alshard basically means a shard with complete power. 
In the game, every shard has an ego of its own and is attempting to guide its owner to Asgard. Midgard is about the size of the Eurasian continent of our actual world. About 70% of that is occupied by Warhe's Reich, which is a theocratic empire that worships the god of machinery, Deus Ex Machina. As one would expect from a society with a dictatorial flavor, the science division of the Warhe's Reich is imperial in nature, and their technology, called Kabbalah, is very well developed. The downside of Kabbalah is that it wastes the mana of the world and increases the abyss, and as we've already touched on, the abyss is the enemy of the world. Questers, along with others of the same beliefs, blame Wahez Reich for using that technology and prefer to use the tech from the ancient race Alfs, known as relics, or that of the desert tribe Jarhead, which is called Gears. Those technologies are much more mana-friendly and therefore don't provide food for the abyss. Getting back to the Reich, they see questers as enemy of the state and they're actively hunting them for their shards since they believe they hold immense amounts of power. And, well, you know. Thanks to Kabbalah technology, the armies of the Reich have a ton of modern weapons like tanks and airships. This makes the army of the Reich the strongest military force in Midgard. And since this is a theocratic state, the Kaiser, who is the political and military leader, is also the Pope. Makes for easy meetings, in my opinion. The current Kaiser is Gustav Joseph II, and he's pretty much a complete asshole, at least according to everything I've read. He's also very old, checking in at 412 years of age. He tends to not talk much, as him saying even a single word would be a major incident. Something interesting about the line of Kaisers is that they descend from the women who were known as the Blessed Virgin. What the subjects of the Reich don't know is that in order to avoid having a Kaiser not of that line, there are a number of clones of the Blessed Virgin that have been made. And in a very interesting game twist, early scenarios of the game present the Blessed Virgins as beautiful and innocent women that the questers need to help. Now, I could get into the structure of their cities and how they're laid out, but my head's spinning just trying to wrap around what we've already discussed. I mean, it sounds cool and everything. There's just a lot to process. So let's talk about how jacked up the Reich's relations are with other nations. Westry isn't a big fan of theirs since the Reich's invasion ruined the kingdom and caused the riot of hundreds of robots. Oh, and it doesn't help that their crown princess has gone missing. Silvestri is a lot like the French First Republic. It was built on the ashes of a revolution. Needless to say, they're not big fans of the Reich either. Kerche used to be under the rule of the Westry, but have since broken loose. They're heavily armed and consider themselves to be neutral. Yashima is basically ancient Japan. In fact, Yashima is a name used to describe ancient Japan. Yashima is an eastern empire of samurai and ninja, which would place them in opposition to the Reich by nature. Zoanashim's stance on the Reich wasn't spelled out on the sites I checked out. It's a kingdom containing the cat-like lynx people who live in what's called the Golden Forest. Vanaheim is a legal entity of the Reich, and it's the Maritime Kingdom. The king is treated as a president of the Marrow, which is basically a different name for nation, and he follows the law of the Reich. The Among is the empire of the lizard folk, and it's underground. Their stance on the Reich is also not spelled out in the materials I could check out. 
I think we're at a good spot to switch gears and take a look at the various organizations in Midgard. Excalibur are, as in our real-world legend, Knights of the Round Table. They consider the Abyss to be their major foe. The Excalibur have a movable military base in the airship Avalon. The Primrose are the resistance movement against the Reich. Hans Wilmar and Sophie Wilmar are the leaders, and they're named for Hans and Sophie Skoll, who were siblings who led the actual White Rose resistance. Google search that if you're interested. I did. Interesting read. The Norn are a guild of monster hunters, and they've got three separate sections, Erd, Verdandi, and Skuld. Again, some Norse themes going on here. The Academy is, you guessed it, a magic academy built by that ancient race called the Alf. The Academy exists on a series of floating islands. Wizard is the title of alumni of the Academy, and they are respected as the elite magicians of the realm. General Material, or G equals M, is the transport company that assists the resistance movement. They're also the ones keeping the Reich at bay for the moment. They've got a rival company in the Reich called Jormungand. Aegeus are the defenders of the world. Their members are known as Ruin Knights, and they run around wearing metal armor. And for the record, the Aegeus and Excalibur are rival organizations. Silver Cruz, or SK, are one of the special forces of the Reich. SK would be the Imperial Guard. There are three other forces specifically named in the text. Schwarz Cruz are the agents of the Cardinal. Virtues are the militia of the religious order. And Kaiser Schwert are the Kaiser's military police. Wincaster Fortune Service, or WFS, is an information company. Their main currency is the future. WFS provides their information to help adventurers along the way as they stand in opposition to the Abyss. Oh, and WFS just happens to be a sect of Excalibur. So I've spent quite a bit of time talking about the lands and the organizations. I think maybe we should cover some of the races you'll find in Midgard. I've mentioned the ALF multiple times already. They had a ton of great technology and are responsible for creating the deities and the Valkyries. Crystals known as Receptor are buried in their foreheads, and they can use them to control ancient scientific devices called relics. Those include things like orbital weaponry, laser swords, and deflector shields. The Fomar are an offshoot of the ALF, and they're basically Dark ALF, which means they've been polluted by the Abyss. Think the relationship between elves and drow in D&D. Since we've mentioned them, the Valkyrie are armored gynoids considered to be one of the intelligent races. Every Valkyrie has a rather interesting weapon system. It's called the Weapons Administration Retractability System, or WARS, which includes a railgun, gatling gun, and particle projection cannon. Beats the hell out of a big sword any day of the week, if you ask me. As I mentioned a few moments ago, Lynx are a race of bipedal cat people with cat-like ears, eyes, and a tail. They're really good hunters with skills in arcane archery, tribal magic, or the martial arts. Dverger. If the name doesn't give it away, these are dwarves. They tend to be air raiders and, as you'd expect, good blacksmiths. And, again, as you'd expect, they love them some alcohol and good old-fashioned rock and roll music. Sirius are shapeshifters, though they tend to only shift into wolves. They're nomadic, which makes sense considering, and they tend to be excellent philosophers and strong martial artists. Last up are Jarhead. 
not so much a non-human race, but more like a unique tribe of people. They live in a desert, so that makes them different from pretty much everyone else in the world. They always wear head-to-toe protective gear, and that's regardless of gender. Their preferred tech is firearms technology, known as gears. Okay, so by now I'm sure you're wondering when I'm going to pop the hood and see what makes this system tick. Well, that is the second topic for today. So we're going to keep running down the specifics of this game because I found the info I dug up to be rather intriguing, and I hope you have too, at least to this point. I wanted to mention the cosmology of Alshard. It's called Yggdrasil and is described as the world tree of the same name. The various worlds are considered to be connected to the tree as branches and leaves would be on a real tree. However, Midgard and the Blue Sphere, which we'll touch on in a moment, are considered to be root worlds. Of course, the Abyss would turn all of this into what we'd consider to be root rot or some other sort of tree-killing disease, though on a universal scale. There are a number of worlds in the cosmology, but I've got at least a little bit of information on the following. Midgard. Well, it's the main world of the setting, so I mean, do I really need to say anything else? Blue Sphere. It's the main world of Alshard Gaia, which we'll get to momentarily, and is considered to be an alternate Earth. There is more on this, but we'll cover it when we cover Alshard Gaia in a minute. Another Sphere. That's a parallel world of Blue Sphere. Magic is well known in the world, and magic and magicians are regulated by the laws of all the UN member nations. Hero Sphere, another parallel world of the Blue Sphere. Magic isn't believed here, and PCs in this sphere would be considered to be superheroes, since, well, the whole magic isn't real thing. Sank Crimson, another parallel world of the Blue Sphere. Things wound up a bit different here, as Jupiter became a fixed star, and Mars is the home world of mankind instead of Earth. Sank Crimson is dominated by a queen who's been taken over by the Abyss, which makes her a rather unsavory character. Oh, and Sank Crimson has already annihilated five other worlds, so it's not a friend of anyone. Utgard is treated like a root world, though in reality it's Alf's flying battleship. She's as big as a continent and travels from dimension to dimension to dodge the abyss. Inside, you'll find the majority of the Alps in artificial hibernation. Hades and Helheim. I think you know what these are. Hades is inhabited by deaths and Helheim by demons. No future. This is a cyberpunk world that was basically destroyed by worldwide disasters. Well, I mean, not quite completely destroyed, but pretty damn near. I mean, you're not heading there for vacation, I can assure you. Twilight World. It's a fantasy world where people have faith in the god of monotheism. Tenth Terra. So... There's another role-playing game out there that uses the SRS, and this is the world of that game, and the game's called Tenra War. Energy planes. These are the equivalent to non-material planes and are called Serikai, Mugenkoyu, and Yosekoyu, which are elemental, dreamland, and fairylands, respectively, and I know I butchered those. Sorry about that. Asgard. Well, this is that ultimate world we mentioned earlier. Okay, so... Before we get into some of the basics of the game, I wanted to touch on Alshard Gaia, since I've referenced it several times already. As I just mentioned, Blue Sphere is the world for this game, and it is an alternate Earth. What I didn't mention earlier is that magic does exist, but the public doesn't know about it. Magic has been joined with science and called alchemy. 
That's a pretty sophisticated process and allows for some interesting combinations, such as the magic device known as the chamber staff, making the magic in a magic bullet stronger. Blue Sphere has been invaded by the Abyss, which puts characters in that game on their heels to begin with. Now, I'm going to get into characters for Alshard in a minute, but since I'm talking about Gaia, let's run down some of the options. Returner, or Time Traveler. Homoculus, or Artificial Humanoid. Psychic. Overlander, or Plane Shifter. Dampir. Machine Head, or Animate Machine. Uh, Transformers would be the comparison. And yes, I took that directly from one of my sources. Intelligent Weapon. That would be stuff like the Chamber Staff. And I think that's about it. At least that's it from what I could find, but those are some pretty interesting options. And since we're on the subject of classes, let's dive into the classes in Alshard. I know I usually break down the system first, but that's up in a minute, so we're doing this in sort of a reverse order. The classes unique to Alshard are Valkyrie, which is a racial class, Panzer Ritter, these are knights who ride motorcycles instead of horses. Oh, and the motorcycles are known as Panzers. Soldat, these are the cyborg soldiers of the Reich's army. Sorcerer, also known as Zalbearer, they use techno sorcery. I mean, there's a long description of the process in the text. Alias, these are clones made by Deus Ex Machina and have several interesting tasks, including espionage. Over the years, there were nine books for the first edition of Alshard, 13 for the Fortissimo edition, and 10 for Alshard Gaia. And while I'd love to refer you to a site to pick them up, unless you speak and read Japanese, you're out of luck as there have been no official translations. That being said, and I know I never do this, I'm sure somebody online has done a translation of at least the core books, but I didn't have enough time to dig deep enough into the internet to find one. So if you're interested, head down that rabbit hole and see where it leads you. That would also be why I don't have any reviews since they're also all in Japanese. So let's move on to our second topic for the week. The standard RPG system, or SRS for short, was created by Far East Amusement Research, a Japanese company, and has been used in 14 different Japanese role-playing games to date. Pretty much all of the SRS games are based on anime and light novels that are popular in the culture, and the mashup of genres is something that's common in most of those releases. For the record, SRS has an open content license, but it's for non-commercial use. Quick note here, as we break down SRS, I'll be referring to some classes and concepts from Alshard, so don't necessarily think it corresponds to the system as a whole, it's just what I could find when I was researching. SRS is a D6-based system, so that's the only dice you'll need if you decide to use it. Task resolution involves rolling 2D6, and if the total, including any adjustments for ability and or class, is equal to or higher than the difficulty, it succeeds. Damage is determined by rolling a number of D6s as determined by the level or class ability used. There are four base character classes in the SRS. Fighter, Scout, Magician, and White Mage, and each has its own special core abilities. That means that even though there are a number of game-specific classes, and they can be mixed and matched, which we'll cover momentarily, it's strongly advised that players take at least one of these basic classes. There are subclasses, but these don't just have abilities tied to them. They have some very different cultural backgrounds. This represents your school of magic, for example, or your ethnicity. 
Non-human races have racial classes, and those provide all of the unique racial abilities the character would have. And overlander classes have the plane shifter abilities necessary for that sort of character. So here's where it gets interesting. During character creation, a player can choose up to three character classes, and they can use pretty much any combination they want. I mean, if you wanted to be a third level fighter, you can certainly do so. But let's say you wanted to be a second level Valkyrie in a first level fighter. You can do that as well. You can also get wild and go fighter, scout, white mage. The combinations are basically endless, and that's what allows for every character to be unique. There are also advanced classes and what are known as Einherrer classes. Those are for high-level characters, though it should be noted that the Einherrer classes come with immortality, so there's that. Per my sources, at the present time, there are more than 70 character classes and around 2,800 class abilities. And in the SRS, all spells and skills are class abilities. In the SRS, there are six attributes, and since I've butchered the Japanese language enough for one day, I'm going with the English translations. Strength, reflexes, perception, reason, will, and luck. Tenra War swaps out luck for something called Tenka, which is basically social ability. The attributes are figured by the selection of classes, and attribute scores determine the eight combat ability scores used in the system. One more point to cover on the SRS. It plays using the scene system. It's broken down into four phases. Opening phase, middle phase, climax phase, and ending phase. And those kind of work like this. In the opening phase, the PCs get into whatever the incident is based on their own motivations. And for the record, they don't have to be an adventuring party working together. This will be the incident that brings them together as a team. The middle phases see the PCs joining forces to deal with whatever creatures or shenanigans are afoot. The climax phase brings what in a video game would be the level boss, though they might not necessarily need to be or be able to be defeated. This will be the arch foe for the group. The end phase is where the GM brings in the epilogue. And each phase is divided into several scenes, so there is a whole hell of a lot going on here. Experience for advancement is awarded at the GM's discretion. Then we lather, rinse, repeat. And that's the basics of the standard RPG system. It also brings us to the end of today's show. As I said earlier, next week we check out D&D 5th Edition. In the meantime, check out Bad GM's campaign build along. This week we pick up with our group figuring out if the communication gear that had been taken from the Brotherhood of Steel actually works and if they're going to try to track down the lead they got when they took it back. Bad GM's campaign build along is available wherever you get your podcasts or on our website, badgmproductions.net. Don't forget the Bad GM Productions will be at Archon 46 September 29th through October 1st at the Gateway Convention Center in Collinsville, Illinois. We'll be there all three days and we'll be doing live check-ins all weekend long. Plus, we will be doing a live episode of this show, Role-Playing History from the Convention, with the topic being chosen by those attending the con. There's still time to get your accommodations and membership, so check out their website, archonstl.org. The music we use for this show comes from pixabay.com. Check them out for all your license-free, royalty-free music needs. 
Role-Playing History is a production of Bad GM Productions. We're all over social media, so check out the info box for this episode or find all of our locations on our website, badgmproductions.net. Next week, it's all about the 5th edition of D&D. Until then, I'm Wayne Davis, and your Role-Playing History. <laughs>